Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Myron Metcalf here on the ride, filling in for Patrick Royce, 1500 ESPN. Um, just trying to figure out why y'all don't love Case Keenum the way you should. Why you guys don't appreciate him. Trying to figure that out. We got a few callers, man? Yes, we do. Let's go to uh, Jim in Lakeville, who's been waiting the longest. What's up, Jim? <laughs> I think Case deserves a ton of credit. Everybody Thank talks you. About what, I, everybody talks about what his record's been up until this year, and let's face it, he's never played on a team that's had the type of assets that the Vikings have this year. It's true. I agree. I mean, Why does this pass even matter? He's doing well now. And, it, and that's the other thing. It doesn't matter. He's 10 and, what, 10 and 3 this year, whatever he is. You know, they're in the playoffs. They've got a second or first round bye. He's done, and he's done a great job. He, the last three games, they've run the ball mostly, and that's because they didn't need to pass the ball. But you look at, you can go back to every game prior to that, and you can see at least one play where he did something, whether it's ducking under a guy that's going to sack him or getting, you know, moving, out, moving the pocket to escape the rush and extend the play a little bit. But there's at least one play in every game that he's done something like that and made a huge play and come out of it with a huge play at the end. I, I agree 100% with that call. He is more than a game manager. He is a playmaker, and he has been a playmaker for this team this season. I think people need to acknowledge that and recognize And it that. is interesting to see, you know, you asked this earlier, what, what would this team look like and what would their record be had Sam Bradford not gotten injured? Because, you know, had he not had he been healthy, Case Keenan would have never gotten the opportunity to play. Exactly. And, and obviously Bradford doesn't have the mobility uh, to, to move within the pocket the way that Case Keenum does. Yep. And I think there's been some throws that Case has made this year that Bradford wouldn't even attempt. And they're, and they're throws that people lie and say Bridgewater could have made, even though Bridgewater never made them when we saw him. But but because now he's so great and we've elevated him and magnified him during the time he's been out, like that's part of this too. Is is Case can't escape this mythological Teddy Bridgewater that people have invented during the time that he's been out. Like, the reality is this has been the best quarterback they've had in years, and and they wouldn't be here without him. Who else we got? John in Bloomington. What's up, John? Hi, guys. Um, I also agree that, that Keenum should get tons of credit for the Viking success this season. Um, however, I'm also old enough to have been here when the Vikings made their first trip to the Super Bowl, and I compare Keenum a lot to Joe Cap. Um Joe Cap was a folk hero in Minnesota until they lost the Super Bowl. And then guess what happened to Key, or to uh, Joe Cap the year after they went to the Super Bowl? He wasn't even here anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, um, and that 69 Vikings 
they are also very similar in that the defense is really what was the uh, thing you remember about that team more than, than Joe Cap. So I, I think Kim deserves credit, but I do think he's more of a uh, game manager. I, I look at him as, as uh, he can make the throws, but I don't want to count on him. If we're behind in the playoffs, I'm not thrilled with our prospects of him leading us to a comeback. Well, what if he does? What, what if he wins the Super Bowl? Where does he stand then in your eyes? Oh, he should be on the Mount Rushmore with Tarkenton um, and Cap, and I don't know who else would be up there, but yes, he will be. A, he will be the man that people will remember definitely. But they have to win it. If just because he had a great year, we've had lots of quarterbacks had great years. Uh, he's got to be. He's got to win it to take it to the next level. All right, man. Thanks for the call. Here, here's what I'll say. To yeah. here's what I'll say. I think because he brought up, you know, he, Case Keenum has never, you know, he doesn't have the ability to, like, bring them back from. I'll go back to that Carolina game a few weeks ago, and they were down, was it 24 to 24 to 13, I think it was. Yeah. And and partially, they were down partially because Keenum wasn't playing as well as he probably could have been. But he played a major role in them getting back into that game and tying it up, and then all due respect to this great defense, it was the defense that gave up the long run to Cam Newton yep. that allowed Carolina to win that game 31-24 to or whatever it was. So, personally, I, I I don't think Case Keenum is Tom Brady. He's certainly not Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or anything like that, but I think he is. I think he's shown enough to where I think he, he deserves a little bit more than the game manager label, I think. Yeah, and I, much more than that, right, to, to me? And and like Tom Brady, he's a guy that came into an uncertain situation as an unheralded quarterback, sixth round pick, and has had a ton of success in his first year. Now we don't know what's going to happen at the end of it all, but I just think that this has been such an amazing season in a place that doesn't experience that a lot, you know. And you got to appreciate that. We got one more caller, Andy in St. Paul. What up, Andy? Hey guys, um, I'm not a football expert, but I do know a lot about Minnesotans. Neither are we, by and the way, Andy. Are, <laughs> I said neither are we. We're not experts either. Okay. Yeah. I've been here all my life. I've played a lot of sports and what have you. Baseball is my game. But I do remember all the football Super Bowls that the Vikings played in, and they were, like the previous caller mentioned, defense dominated. And I think Minnesotans are afraid that the Vikings aren't going to score the points. That's my biggest thing. You look back at the four Super Bowls that they played in previously, I don't think they scored a point in the first half. And I think Minnesotans are waiting for the shoe to fall. If Case Keenan brings them over the top, he will be loved just like Kirby Puckett was. Kirby was from Chicago, but Minnesotans loved him like one of our own. Yeah. That's all I got. Thanks, guys. Love your show. I think he's right. I, I really do. I think that that is part of it that because the franchise has never – uh, has never gotten us there. Yeah. It's it's always there's been something whether it was 2009, 98, you know, 2001, 1987. Yeah. It does it just doesn't matter. And there's now such a generation of people like me, like man, we've you we've never even seen them in the Super True. Bowl, right? And I think that that's a big part of it. If 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 we had 
Brett Favre in his prime yeah. as the quarterback of this team? Yes, it. You're right. It would be different. There would be a different storyline going. You know, being ta- tagged with this team. But again, we're all just in. We got to. You know, we're protecting ourselves from embracing what we're seeing in front of us because part of, part of it is we don't want to really want to believe what we see. And I, I get that, and I'm sure that's an element of it. Clearly, people people you don't want to be let down. But I still think that puts Case Keenum in a difficult situation where he has more to lose here in terms of adoration and admiration Mm -hmm. than he has to gain. I mean, like you all said, he's got to probably win the Super Bowl to be on that Mount Rushmore. Whereas now, if he if he loses that first game in the playoffs, he's a villain. It it ain't ain't going to be no love. It's going to be the dude who messed up the 13-win season. Mm-hmm. That, to me, feels unfair. The guy who's responsible for the 13-win season, 10 of those wins, could quickly go to the guy who ruined it all in that first And game. I think for them to view it as a success, I think at this point, even if they lost in, in the NFC Championship game, I still think most fans would feel it was a disappointment Yeah, at this oh, point. you, you got to go point, to the yeah. Super Bowl yeah. in Minneapolis. Uh, really quick, we have an update on the Todd Haley story that – we absolutely need to get to. Okay. Uh, the Steelers had a bye week. You know, Todd Haley, for those that didn't hear Johnny's news report last hour, was involved in a bar altercation. Well, now the truth has come out. Uh-oh. A Pittsburgh Police Department spokesperson told us that Todd's wife, Christine, was the okay. one involved in a minor scuffle at Tequila Cowboy, a five-minute oh, no. walk from Steelers Stadium. Oh, okay. And Todd was not the one injured in the scuffle. Oh. So he was sticking up for the bride. And the oh. bride had a little bit too much tequila in her at Tequila Cowboy. And does she? Oh, so God, I love the NFL. Does, I so love everything get, about it. So he didn't get pushed down at all? No, apparently not. He was not. Uh, the scuffle ended very quickly. Todd Haley was not the one involved, nor was the one injured. Todd and Christine Haley were escorted out. No injuries and no charges. Tequila Cowboy? Oh, my God. You, Honey, let's go night? grab a couple. Was it was, Friday it was uh, New Year's Eve after their game. It was oh, New Year's nothing, Eve. Nothing and, good and you know what? It, was, it was probably some Steeler fans that were mad because they didn't blow out the Browns like they probably should have. And Well, they yeah. played him with backups, basically. I know. I know like Joey, didn't Joey Porter get in something last year? One oh, of, yeah. Like, against the Bengals. Oh, against the Bengals. Yeah. What, what a squad. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk more football and other stuff when we get back here on 1500 ESPN. Myron Metcalf back. On the ride, Aretha Franklin. You got to check out a documentary called uh, Muscle Shows. Oh, God. Yeah. Phenomenal. If you want to be yeah. just surprised and stunned by some of the folks who helped Aretha make some of her early hits, uh, check, check, check that out for sure. Little small town in Alabama uh, turned out some big time hits. Didn't. Help me, correct me if I'm wrong. Did I read too that didn't Dave Grohl and Johnny's going to be out there screaming at both of us? But uh, our our music expert is the newsman. But didn't Dave Grohl buy the soundboard from the Muscle Shoals studio? He might. He might have. I'm, I'm, look not, it up. I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. Look that up. But I mean, it, it is a. I don't want to spoil it because I think it's one of those things you should just see. But it, it, it is amazing what this little small town in Alabama. The impact it had on music in the, I want to say late 50s, 60s, and 70s, and just like the run they had. Uh, a bunch of artists like Aretha and others, you might not have heard of them but without this. So 
Check it out if you get a chance. Is it true? Did, did Dave Grohl buy that? I'm seeing uh, there's a, a, a clip called uh, Sound City. Are you coming in? Here's Johnny. You got to come in. He's giving me the look. Why is this idiot talking right now? Which is fine because I am an idiot. But please, Johnny. All right, let's talk Muscle Shoals. Really go see the documentary. It is Muscle Shoals. Is is phenomenal. It it is great. He bought these board at Sound City Studios, which is in Los Angeles, California, very famous recording studio in L.A. Okay. Funny though, you should bring up Muscle Shoals. Rick Hall, if you've seen that documentary. He's the fellow with the big mustache yeah. and produced a bunch of stuff there. He passed away today. Uh, literally, wow. literally oh. I, ju- I just read it an today? hour ago. Today? Yeah, he was 85 years old. He had, oh, he had wow. a long run, but uh, he basically ran the show down there. He was, mm-hmm. he was He was. one of those guys where you probably haven't heard of him, but like people in the business, he's a part of history in oh, terms yeah. of what most, he did. Most definitely. And, and some of the groups that he helped Mm-hmm. Just turn into powerhouses. I yep. mean, well, you mentioned Aretha. So, what was the? You obviously are. You know the Aretha story. Everything that sure. that went to making her. Yeah. What? what well, well, everybody recorded at Muscle Shoals. On, yeah. I mean, like uh, Myron said, it, there's an amazing list. Uh, R and B performers, rock and roll performers, with a bunch uh, of white guys. Oh, I mean, a bunch there, of guys. Was who all like, a bunch of white who guys who don't yeah. who don't look like you would think of. A bunch of soul funk. Like, you wouldn't think yep, that, right? No. Rick, Rick Hall looked like the guy who would live next to me in Andover, exactly. Minnesota. You're exactly correct, yeah. It, and he was responsible for that sound, for that, you know. It is amazing what they did. And so many other groups, you know, went there because they talked in the documentary a lot about the Muscle Shoals sound mm-hmm. and how, you know, the Aretha's and other groups, they just had to have that sound. And it's profound what they did. Very much so. Very so much was he so. kind of like was he kind of like Jimmy Iovine then in a way? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think definitely where they're similar. I think in that is they had a certain ear for like great music. Mm-hmm. You know, they could kind of read between the lines, and, and from there they just began to. I mean, the Stones went down there. Leonard yeah, Skinner, you name them. So yeah. many groups. Just wanted that, per- that personality-wise. Him and Ivina are very different. Yes, right. Everybody's different. Jimmy Ivina and everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just that yeah. mellow Southern kind of you know uh, fella. Yeah. You know, whereas yeah. Ivina. Rick, there's a story. I don't want to give away the documentary, but there's a story where I, I want to say Aretha's husband at the time and him. Uh, they got into some brawl out on a hotel balcony and like Todd Haley's wife. Yeah, it was. It was. <laughs> it, was it was like that, and apparently, you know, they're trying to. Push each other off the balcony, and it oh, got boy. it got pretty serious. And I guess Aretha <laughs> left the next day. So, John, what you're trying to tell me then is that um, much like most of my radio career, I had a fantastic memory of something that didn't didn't come occur and, quite and close it had to nothing to, had nothing <laughs> yeah. to do with what Myron was talking <laughs> right, about. Right, right, the Chris Reaver story. <laughs> Chris Reaver story. Got it. Okay, the so Sound scene. City was the board that he. Yes, correct. Okay, I remember watching that too. That was a good documentary. That was really that was good. good. Yeah, it was okay. good. Thanks, John. Thank you. <laughs> I got to check that one out. So go for football, huh? I mean, yeah, how do we get into that? Wow. <laughs> I don't know how we got off into that. There'll be a lot of that's tangents happens, probably this week. That's what happened with me. Yeah. That's I'm, the beauty of radio, it though. It is. But I, okay, so we, we still have a couple of minutes, Myron. Don't worry about that. Uh, uh, you, you wanted to bring up go for football. I was watching the college football playoff. And I really thought... How great was the Rose Bowl? It was amazing. Yesterday? Fantastic. It was amazing. And I hate the, oh, there's no defense. This game is awesome. It's great. Who cares? Care about, yeah. No. Keep scoring. Right. My thought watching, fellas, was if the Gophers can find and nurture and develop a quarterback, mm-hmm. 
it changes everything. And here's why I said that. You look at the four quarterbacks in the playoff, these were not six foot five powerhouse quarterbacks who were going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. Baker Mayfield was a preferred walk on at both Texas Tech and at Oklahoma. The guy wasn't even top 50 in the state uh, coming out of Texas. Uh, Kelly Bryant for Clemson was not even ranked among the top 10 in quarterbacks in his class. Uh, Jake Fromm starts the season as the backup. And and, and he wasn't a top 100 recruit in his class, the 2017 class. And Jalen Hurts was a four-star kid who a lot of people call a, quote, system quarterback. And to me, I thought about the Gophers because I said, that is P.J. Fleck's greatest assignment right there. Finding that guy, developing and nurturing that guy. Because that has been the the difference at programs around the country. And not even just the powerhouses. Uh, North Dakota State finds a Carson Wentz. I mean, there are so many teams that have found a way to identify a guy who's not that five-star prototype, but they just turned him into that. That is the number one assignment for that staff. And I think if you look at the college football playoff, and the unheralded guys coming out of high school who are now stars for the four best teams in America, it can be done here as well if you have the right vision and identify the right guy mm-hmm. in that role. That's what I was thinking during the playoffs. And, and, you know, I'm just going to say really quick, the, yeah. the other big thought I had was, A, that that was one of the best Rose Bulls I've ever watched in my life. But yes. number two, we found out last night just how damn good Deshaun Watson yes. is. Oh, my goodness. Because yes. that was the only yes. difference between the two Clemson teams from the last two years that beat Alabama and won national championships and the one last night that looked utterly hopeless against that defense. And Kelly Bryant is... He's all right. Like he's yeah. not. He's not bad. Yeah. He's been. He was been. He's been rock solid for them this and year. And he but could then, become decent. But Deshaun yeah. Watson, my God, but different it, breeds. Night and day, man. But, it was night and day. But make Baker Mayfield's a goes from a walk on to yeah. He's gonna be a first round pick. So I mean, all the people who think well, you got to have some some five star guy who's six five with this incredible arm. No, you got to have the vision to find a Baker Mayfield and know that what he is now, he won't be three years from now. Like that that is what the Minnesotas of college football are up against. They're in this big pool of three star guys and four star guys. You gotta find the right kid. And I don't know how you do it. I mean, it, NFL that, teams mess up the quarterback situation every year. Yeah, that's exactly draft, what right? I was gonna say, because yep. then how how does then Carson Wentz end up at North Dakota? <laughs> Or the kid from Wyoming, I forget his name, that's projected to be a, a first-round uh, draft Josh pick. Allen. How does he end up at Wyoming? I, I, I don't see. I don't know how it works. How does Joe Flacco end up at Delaware? Delaware? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I don't. Tony Romo went to a, what, Eastern, Eastern Illinois, Illinois, right? Eastern Illinois. Same place Jimmy Garoppolo went to. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. Which That's a great stat, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you identify that guy. You know, I don't, I don't know. Because clearly NFL teams pick the wrong quarterback every year. But that is the number one thing. And, and credit to P.J. Fleck. He's been preaching that all season. Look, I got to get in the right dude at this position at all costs. I don't care about if a guy wants to transfer. No, I got to get the right quarterback. And I think if you look at the playoff, those are not guys who were five-star kids coming out of high school. Those are not guys who were, okay, that is definitely a Sam Darnold or someone. Like, these guys were, for the most part, four-star kids. Yeah. Who developed, had the work ethic, put in the time and the effort. Absolutely. And now they led their teams to a situation where they can win a national championship. And and PJ, you know, all due respect to him, PJ doesn't have any excuses in terms of finding a quarterback because of all those guys we just listed, yeah. 
that just proves that you don't have to be Alabama or USC or Ohio State and recruiting a five-star quarterback in order to have success. But you have to find a quarterback that somebody else overlooks. Yeah. And you got to bring him in and you got to turn him into something. Turn him into someone who ends up getting drafted. In the front. How does Jay Cutler now say what you want about Jay Cutler as an NFL quarterback? Yeah. But he was good enough in college to be drafted in the top 10. Yep. How does Jay Cutler end up at Vanderbilt? The, to grow, you must fail. That's why. Exactly. <laughs> to grow, yeah, you exactly. must fail. But I, but I mean, it all valid points. Now, granted, for every you know heroic story we just named, there are thousands of other stories of guys who didn't work out, right? Yep. But I think that's why you hire a P.J. Fleck who's had success at, obviously, uh, Western Michigan and developing a big-time quarterback and – he can do that here, but that is the number one pri- – that's not even just the top. That's the top, like, ten priorities. If you identify that guy and nurture and develop that guy, you can change everything about your program. And that's what, to me, has made – and, again, I, I am not a Saban guy. I think he's just a smug you-know-what. Yeah. But whatever you think about him, he is one hell of a football coach. Yes. And that's what's made, to me anyway, his run there – so impressive because he hasn't had that guy. I know McCarron is going to probably be a, a quarterback in the NFL for a while, but he hasn't had that guy the entire time he's been in Alabama. And, and he still finds a way to get to he this. Finds a way. I mean, people look at Jalen Hurts, you know, the, the guy now, and they're like, oh, he's a system quarterback. Well, he's a system quarterback going back to the national championship for the second year in a row. That def- and he's that, only a sophomore. That touchdown he threw to the defensive lineman, oh, great. I, it actually made me, I was <laughs> that like, okay, fair. that's awesome. That's great. That I love great. when the big fat guy gets we, in the end zone. We need zone. more fat guy touchdowns, yes! man. We need that. We need. That. And he had a, 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 was it a fumble return, interception? Just before that, he had interception before that. When it got it was to the same guy, when it got to twenty four to six, I went to bed. I'm like, this yep. thing's over. Oh, it was over. There's over. no chance. Well, there was all of this like, well, Alabama's down, and let me tell you what, Alabama's going to the championship. I, you, you don't doubt them in any situation like that. I felt I knew they were going to win, and I think they'll win the title. I don't think I don't think Georgia will be able to to move the ball against. I mean, that no. might be the best defense he's put together, and and that Oklahoma defense might be the worst defense. Th- those yeah. dudes were jogging yes. after those running backs, Michelle and Chubb. Yeah. Like, like there was no sense of urgency. Mm-mm. Like, oh, hey, you gonna get him? Hey, you gonna get him? In that game, he was unbelievable. Yeah, but everybody was like pointing at him, like trying to figure out who was gonna tackle him. Help me uh, remember what was their regular season matchup like. Alabama and, and Georgia. They didn't play. They didn't play this year. Oh, they did. No, Alabama no. played oh. Auburn. They didn't play Georgia. And then Georgia. Georgia, Georgia played, played Auburn, Auburn twice. twice. That's and what they it was. Split. Okay, yeah. okay. Because Auburn blew out Georgia in the regular season, yes. and then Georgia returned Beat the favor in the, in the championship. SEC championship. When it mattered. Okay. I mean, Georgia has a great defense. Those running backs are tough, but I think Alabama. It'll be a good game. Edge. I think it will be a good. That's game. That's all I want. Give yeah. me another 48, 54, whatever it was, kind of <laughs> shootout, man, and I'll be happy. We'll be back talking some T Wolves here on fifteen hundred ESPN. Back on the ride, Myron Metcalf, 1500 ESPN. Uh, I believe we have a sports update. We do. With John. What do we got? With man? Captain Know-It-All. Thanks. You know, if any kind of producer. Mr. Probably, well, actually. Mr. A producer here would have found a cut for Muscle Shoals. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? We set it up. That's what, feeling all right. Sorry, produced at... No, uh, no it wasn't, Chris. Oh, it was Joe Crocker, right? Dang it. <laughs> this update sponsored by Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer, ready for a bad cold and flu season. McCold is a cold, but flu brings fever. Be prepared with the Exergen Temporal Scanner Thermometer, backed by medical professionals everywhere. 
I actually found a song Did that you? was produced at Muscle Shoals just a couple of years ago. Oh hey, yeah, I want a scoop, baby. Scoop. That's oh, actually yeah. the theme for Darren's Scoop Show, uh, Doogie, right? Yeah. And I brought in a nugget here that was going to lead this is my what sports. what I do. I produce. I, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't going to lead with it, but I will now that you use that. Uh, he reported the Twins are waiting to see what happens with you, Darvish, before they go to the next tier of pitchers like Alex Cobb and Lance Lynn. So uh, apparently we're just waiting to see what happens. Meanwhile, Bob... Hey, yeah. <laughs> I want a scoop, baby. Meanwhile, Bob Nightingale <laughs> reports Darvish, like uh, uh, Arietta. get this. Trying to see if they can get sixth or seventh seasons on a guaranteed contract. Can you imagine? Well, do you find it all that surprising? Because I don't. But would you ever give that to either one I of them? I personally would not, but Never. it doesn't surprise me that Never. they're that they're waiting. I feel like somebody will, though. Somebody that's probably somebody will. Somebody probably yeah. will. And that's a team in pinstripes. <laughs> Sam Bradford back in practice for the Stupid Vikings. Yankees spending money on everybody. <laughs> Your team sucks, John. Wow. Back in practice for the Vikings today. He's been on injured reserve since November 8th with that knee injury. Uh, the Vikings have that first round bye. They have up to three weeks, though, to decide whether or not to put Bradford back on the active roster for the playoffs. Story we had last hour, it changed quickly. I know you mentioned it, Chris, but I'll mention it again. Uh, Todd Haley, the Steelers' offensive coordinator, it was reported he was pushed and hurt his hip at a a bar fight, shall we say, after the Pittsburgh game on Sunday. Apparently, that's not true. A Pittsburgh police spokesperson said it was his wife, Christine, who was involved in what they're calling just a minor scuffle at Tequila Cowboy, a bar just across the street from the stadium. If they, if they were smart, they'd call it Tequila Mockingbird. Todd wasn't injured. Sweet line, that's rookie. A better, that's a better None name. of you dummies get that, do you? Well, I got it. Sure. <laughs> Pick up a book once. My, Manny, you okay yes, over yes, there? I, I got totally, it. I totally I got it. You need CPR, Manny? No, I totally, I totally got it. I got it, it 100%. Yeah. Wow. You, uh, you're, you're pretty, Kenny. We think you're pretty. Anyway, back to the news. Uh, Todd Haley was <laughs> not injured in, in that scuffle in any manner or form. So. Well, I'm a, I mean, I'm going to go out on a sturdy limb, but any kind of gal that's, worth, uh, that's willing to get into a barroom scuffle at Tequila Cowboys, that's the kind of girl you marry. Because <laughs> she loves you. Other NFL notes from today. Somehow... Marvin Lewis is returning to coach the Bengals, signed a new two-year deal, and uh, quarterback uh, from Arizona, Carson Palmer, is retiring. The Wild playing Florida tonight at the X, and Zach Parisi will be back. He missed the first 39 games of the season after preseason back surgery. Uh, Alabama coach Nick Saban is complaining today. He doesn't like the quick turnaround from the college football playoff semifinal games to the championship game. Oh, my God. Again, I don't like Nick Saban. He says, "Come it's, on, man! Just you win every. You, you're in. The, you're in it every year. <laughs> what are you complaining about, man?" Uh, he says it's difficult to come off a bowl game with only seven days to get ready. He said someone has to think about the players and not what's convenient for the media or TV. Saban said it wasn't until after one in the morning that Alabama began packing up to leave the All-State Sugar Bowl after beating Clemson 24 to six, and he said that the team needed to spend the night then in New Orleans and return to Tuscaloosa this morning. Oh, and boo-hoo. They oh, have no. to fly to, to stay, Atlanta. We have to stay in a five-star hotel <laughs> and they have where to, someone packed up our bags for us. <laughs> and Myron, they have to fly from Tuscaloosa to Atlanta for the championship game on Monday night. It is pretty great, they though. They had that. scrambled eggs instead of omelets as we prefer them. <laughs> oh, I think it's gosh. great, though, that Georgia is basically playing a home game in this. It's, pretty much, yeah. it's, it's for both of them. I mean, everyone's going to be there from the South. Yeah. This is basically a second SEC championship Basically. Yeah. In the same venue and everything. 
If anything, Saban said he'd like an extra travel day between the semis and the title it's game. Be a hell of a game, though. Count for the lost time. Alabama will spend three days at home, he said, before they go back on the road to Atlanta to get ready for Monday night's game against Georgia. We're going to come back and talk a little more, maybe about Saban. Maybe we should talk about him. Back on 1500 here in a few. I think the worst job would be covering Alabama football and have to deal with that jackass, Nick Saban. I think he is the worst guy in American sports. This guy is the most condescending, arrogant jackass in American sports. I can't stand him. It's unfortunate that uh, he's so damn good at what he does. But, man, how would you like to be a just a, a beat guy down there and have to deal with this and if you write one sentence that isn't total adulation they'll they'll drag you out of the office and beat the yeah. crap out of you it's unbelievable <laughs> that's, that's our guy it's our guy we ain't trading him with that Myron Metcalf feeling ever Patrick Royce <laughs> on 1500 the ride Good call, man. I had forgotten about the saving meltdown. I I remember that day we had we had Chip Scoggins on talking with Pat Myron, and I remember that. Pat just sounding off on Nick Saban for about 45 seconds, and I thought, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to keep that and put that in the system. <laughs> That's a good one to have, yeah. especially today, because like to complain if you're Alabama. Here, here's the thing: I played ball at a D2 school that didn't have all these luxuries and you know the chartered flights and all this stuff, right? You have to understand that, like, Alabama travels like an NFL team. Sure. In terms of what they have and the resources they have. I mean, they're staying at the best of the best uh, hotels. In some cases, I would even say they probably travel better than some NFL teams. They're flying on chartered flights. I mean, they're not hopping on, you know, United somewhere. The the food, the, the everything that comes with an Alabama trip, it's, it's luxurious, man. So when you do this and complain, it only makes it only encourages the haters. It only encourages the critics who go, you're you're already, you know, in a class by yourself in terms of what you have access to and the resources available to your program. And now you want another travel day and you're you're worried about, oh no, you know, you guys are trying to accommodate the media and TV and we're playing the game the following week. You're making money off of that. Your school's going to get tens of millions of dollars just for being there. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about, we're accommodating you too. That's the bizarre thing. I just think sometimes coaches are so out of touch with reality. And here's the problem with coaches at all levels. They think we care, right? Mm-hmm. We care about winning and losing. That's it. That's the only reason you're here. We don't care about this little stuff that you complain about and the media. That No, win or lose. That's the bottom line. Either you win and you're going to get paid for it and praised for it, or you lose, or you're going to get kicked out of your job and somebody will replace you. It's that simple when it comes to coaching. And, you know, in the same case with Saban, too, it, Pat, Pat had mentioned, you know, unless you write complete and total adulation, you're going to get run out of town. But I remember him getting mad because a reporter was writing too many nice things about his defense. He's saying, you know, these guys are reading that, and they're believing their own hype. And I thought, what in the heck? What, 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 what are these guys supposed to do? Well, it's not, all a not game. to mention, then what, what do you want them to write? Right. It's all a game. Yeah. The, the whole yeah. thing is a You're game. Right. You're right. As a member of the media, you know, we're accused of everything. We're accused of praising a guy too much. 
not giving a guy enough praise. People use us, coaches in particular, uh, to try to make arguments and try to turn this to create this like me against the world attitude. And it works a lot. I mean, a lot of teams become sort of, hey, everyone's against us. People are writing these things about us. Here's the reality. If you're good, don't care what sport you play, people will write nice things. If you're not good, if you fall short of expectations, whatever those expectations are, people won't say nice things about you. That's the bottom line. But if you think someone's supposed to give you sympathy, as a guy Nick Saban making almost $10 million a year, as a guy who has every luxury and opportunity, a staff that no school can compete with, has all of these resources, and you want people to feel sorry about traveling. He said he had to pack up. They had to pack up at 1 a.m. Let me tell you something. Those players ain't pack up a thing. No. <laughs> uh, 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 Frank and Earl then packed up everything, loaded the buses, took them back to the hotels. Those players weren't packing up things. And again, it's— Come it's, on, man. And, it's, and again, like I mentioned last segment, it's not like they're flying cross-country here. No! It's not like the. It's not like they're they're not like Georgia coming from Pasadena and flying back to Athens. Exactly, and like come on. And even if they are Manny Fresh, who cares? It's it's a chartered flight, right? You're watching you're watching Gladiator and Gilmore Girls or whatever you're doing on the flight, having having you know whatever cheese and crackers they have on the flight. You're not sitting roughing it on some coach bus across the country that breaks down on the side of the road. No, that's the thing. People don't get it. The reason why a lot of people are against the whole pay athletes thing, it's stuff like this. When they hear comments like this, mm-hmm. which you want even more, yeah. what else can we give you? You're going to make all these millions of dollars. You're on national TV. A lot of people don't realize you can't get paid, but you can get, and a lot of these bowl games, these kids are going to get jewelry, uh, uh, video game systems, they get a package, like a gift package that they get to keep. It's not money, but it's worth a lot of money. And then you have stuff like this, and it just makes people go, well, forget it. Forget and that's the whole system. Why, and that's why, for me, I mean, I love college football. I watched nearly every second of the Rose Bowl and watched a lot of the the, the, the Alabama game until I knew that it was pretty much over, that, that, that Clemson had no chance. But going into every season, the the key difference is there, there's – people that believe more in the NFL than college football because going into a season, whether you want to really believe it or not, there's a chance that uh, Indianapolis that went 3-13, and 13, if they add a couple pieces, they have a chance to maybe yeah. go to the playoffs next year. We all know exactly. there's 15 teams in college football that have the chance to finish in the top four, and we all know that Alabama is routinely going to be one of them, and it's an unlevel playing field when it comes to looking at the entire product across the board, across the country. A hundred percent. And being on national TV is only going to help them maintain that status mm-hmm. because it's a great recruiting tool. It's a great recruiting tool to know, okay, here's Alabama again. They're going to get the best recruits again. Yep. They're going to be right back here again. You're worried about packing up at 1 a.m.? Let me tell you what I did at a Division two school. When we took the bus to North Dakota that morning for a track meet, we didn't stay in no hotel. No, you hopped on the bus that night. And you came back home and got there at 4 a.m. Now, I'm not knocking Alabama, but people don't understand. Most schools around the country are doing things like that to make accommodations work for their athletics programs because they don't have millions of dollars. Because they have a much smaller budget with which to work with. They got athletic directors who are doing three jobs. They're, They're teaching classes, they're coaching baseball, and they're the ADs. 
That's the American collegiate athletic system. It's not the Alabamas. That's like 20 schools. Everybody else is kind of roughing it. And these guys who are in the upper echelon don't get that. And they get arrogant and they get full of themselves and forget where they came from and forget that other people don't have those luxuries. I don't care about the turnaround for travel. I don't care about, you know, you worried about an extra travel day. None of that matters to me. Win or lose. And you're making $10 million to win. If that's not enough, then shut the whole system down. I wonder, too. The whole thing. Do you think that because we all want a villain in sports and when success, like everybody, not everybody, but a large uh, percentage of football fans hate the Patriots mostly because of their success. Yes. So is Saban doing this because he wants the anger and all the venom pointed in his direction because he really couldn't care less? I I think that's a part of it. I I think he's... I think he is encouraged by the haters. And I think, again, this is a guy who has produced this us-against-the-world attitude better than anybody in college sports. And I think this is one of those things where he knows what the reaction will be. He knows how hypocritical it sounds. Oh, you're worried about like the quick turnaround, but you're in the biggest game of the year, and it's going to help your program for years, years and years and years. I think he understands the backlash I don't think he cares, but I also think there's an element of being so disconnected from the common folk, if you will, that you make comments like this. And and again, this is why people I know who go, I just don't care about college sports. I don't I don't care to watch it. I don't care to participate in it. I just don't care about big time college sports because of things like this. Mm -hmm. And that's why we can't have an honest conversation about compensation for college athletes, because when things like this happen, when things like this are said, it just makes that divide even wider because you got a program that has every single luxury and you got a head coach who's saying, I need more travel time to hop on my private jet to get back to a campus that's maybe five, 400 miles away. And I need more turnaround time. And that's why I thought I find it hilarious because, you know, when we were a couple of weeks ago, when we started to see the the coaching carousel, whether it was Jimbo Fisher leaving FSU, going to Texas A&M or whatever. It, I don't think that absurdity is going anywhere anytime soon. Look at last night. Uh, I have no idea what the head coach of Oklahoma makes, but I it's not nearly what Nick Saban makes. Yeah. Look at that overhead panoramic shot of the Rose Bowl yesterday. Crazy. And all of those people that paid top dollar to be at that game and the amount of money that that school generated just by playing in that one game, they could hire and fire Nick Saban 15 times if they wanted to, and they still are going to make money. Exactly. And that's not going anywhere anytime soon. Let me tell you something. You're 100% correct, and there are about a million coaches who if you told them they got paid what Nick Saban gets paid, and they said, hey, look, here's here's the thing. Here's the fine print. Uh, Your team is playing tomorrow. They go, okay. Where's the bus? Uh, do I yeah. need to pull the bus? <laughs> do we need to walk? We can we can run. What do you need us to do? Yeah. Oh no no no. There there's a private jet that's going to drop you off. A five star hotel. All everything's going to be taken care of. Oh and and here's twenty million dollars for your school. I know some coaches I could call right now and say, would you walk from New Orleans back to Alabama and then to Atlanta? <laughs> They'd be like, I'm already walking. Yeah. Right? I'm already already on my way. You let me know what you need me to do. But then you have this situation. And to me, there is this disconnect between people who don't understand 
that college sports as a whole, the bulk of the athletes in college are not going to be pros in the NBA, in the NHL, in the NFL. They're guys who got men and women who are doing the most a lot of times with the least. They don't have these resources, but they still find a way. Like that's the heart of amateur athletics. And I love big time college sports, but I come from that. And I will never forget that element of it. And I think I just have no sympathy for these guys. I cover these guys every day. I deal with these guys every day. The Dukes and the North Carolinas. I just don't have any sympathy for you. Because the reality is you have every single reason to succeed. And if you don't, that's on you. Case in point, you were just mentioning that you were in Louisville yesterday. You know, they're going through this nightmare situation that, that was created by their head coach, their slimy head coach, former head coach. Yeah. And now they're going to dig their way out of out of it. Why? Because the money's Money. too great. It's it's because they, they'd be foolish not to. It's in the greed that got them into that. I drove by their Louisville Golf Club. They've got this thing, man. This like gigantic golf course off the highway. That's amazing on on campus or near oh, campus? right near campus. Okay, and and I'm like, you're a, you're a kid playing golf, and you get a visit to that school, or you go visit. Some other school that doesn't have its own golf facility, and you got to work out at the local course with everybody else and figure out your tee times in between when everyone else is playing. Think about the advantage you have there. Yeah, that's that's a luxury, and I'm all for it. If you can afford it, I get it. But you'd better understand how lucky you are, and at some point, be grateful for what you have because that's not the norm everywhere else. What is the sentiment down there? Is it more, you know, we can't believe we've been wronged, or are they, you know, what he needs to go? What is the what is the mindset? It's please no more strippers and dancers. Okay, and please no more. Bring back. Please some... no more dirt. Okay, just can we get back to basketball? The problem is the stadium, the arena they play in. They can't afford the payments going forward, so they got a mm. they got a ton of issues. Oh, really? A ton of issues at Louisville, but guess what? They got enough boosters because you know who their big booster is, Papa uh, John's. Papa John's guy. Who yeah. I was at a meeting with him two months ago. He shows up with a bodyguard. There was a bodyguard. What? Who, like, this bodyguard walked into the room was like he carrying before pizza. Him. No, he was just like it was a bodyguard, and then the Papa John's dude walked in to the board of trustees meeting. Got to be kidding! I me. swear it was it was very very odd, but. You got Papa John's dude who can make all your problems go away with one check. So they're down, but they're going to figure it out because they're Louisville. And all I'm saying is a lot of schools, a lot of schools don't have that. Thank you all for having me. We'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow. As always, 1500 ESPN, The Ride, filling in for Royce. I'm Myron Metcalf, uh, Rivers and Manny Fresh. We'll be back.